Hello. Welcome to the Cerebral Flex podcast, episode 12, about the Federal Reserve. Uh, Jareth, Blackstar, Nam One Sakati here as your host, as usual. Hit the like button, subscribe, all that crap, comment and stuff, call us. Back rubs, still about that. Um, yeah, Jareth and I just learned a lot this week um, about the Federal Reserve, and I believe it broke us. As you can see, he's drinking over there. <laughs> ah, yes. What a great anxiety-fueled week I've had. Um, learning about the Federal Reserve and fiat currency, and uh, everything's a lie and nothing is real, which I already knew, but it really sucks to have it confirmed. <laughs> yeah, like all your hard work is has no value. <laughs> yes, yes. Intrinsically, there is zero value. Oh, man. All right, yep. so the Fed. So yeah, that's what this episode is going to be about. Um, I don't feel like a lot of people exactly know what the Federal Reserve is or what it does or its you want me to, or why it was I can created. do the layman's thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll lay out the layman's structure right quick, and then people will know kind of what it's about. All right, take All it right. away. So the Federal Reserve, um, it's also called the Federal Reserve System or the Fed. Um, it was created by Congress on December 23rd, 1913, um, to provide a safer, more flexible and more stable monetary and financial system. And mind you, this is coming from federalreserve.gov, so they're not going to be biased at all, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, President Woodrow Wilson signed the Federal Reserve Act into law. Um, it conducts U.S. monetary policy by influencing money and credit conditions, that's a big one coming up, credit, in the economy in pursuit of full employment and stable prices. It supervises and regulates banks and other important financial institutions to ensure the safety of the US banking system and to protect the credit rights of the consumers. It maintains a financial system and contains systemic risks that may arise in the mar markets. I almost said racism, because that's like what everyone's talking about. Um, provides financial services to the U.S. government, U.S. financial institutions, and foreign official institutions. It plays a major role in operating and overseeing the nation's payment systems. Okay, so with all that bullshit definition from your government, we'll get into what the Federal Reserve really is. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's here where it gets interesting. Yes, so... First thing that we should know about the Federal Reserve is it's not the first time in history that something like the Federal Reserve, which is a centralized bank, which means that it oversees all the banks, uh, was a concept. Alexander Hamilton, you know, all those white people who love to see Hamilton. It's on Disney Plus. Now you can go watch it. I think it's overhyped. Um, I do. But Hamilton, he tried to create, it was the first Bank of America, and it was supposed to essentially operate as the Fed. It didn't go through. Um, a lot of arguments you'll hear against the Federal Reserve is that it's not a constitutional organization. Um, I did a lot of research into that, and that is, that is true. The Fed is not constitutional. Um, the founding fathers of the country never intended it to be that way. Um, but the founding fa founding fathers of the country also, you know, thought that people of colored skin were two thirds human. So 
how right were they about a lot of things? Um, <laughs> what, wasn't it? Was it four fifths, three fifths? It was three fifths human. Oh yeah, three fifths. You know, look at yeah. me trying to give them more credit than they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the Fed was essentially established in. Well, the idea for the Fed came about in, um, I believe it was after the Great Crash of 1907. Um, and that was when J.P. Morgan, um, who was the biggest banker at the time, one of the most wealthy men in America next to, I believe it was Rockefeller, um, there was this great gold crash. People were pulling their money out of banks. Um, banks weren't keeping enough in their reserves. So he went to the president and Congress at the time, and he was like, we need a federal reserve. We need a centralized bank that's going to oversee all the banks. And essentially the richest man in the world is the person who came up with the idea. Um, once Congress was kind of on board with it, he, with a bunch of other bankers, kind of went to a resort in Florida with uh, one or two senators, and they drafted plans for what the Federal Reserve was going to be, um, which already right there should make you skeptical because rich people are figuring out a way to stabilize markets for themselves because it was the rich people who were losing money because all the poor people um, after this crash were pulling their money out of the banks and the banks being greedy assholes that they are were lending more than they had in their reserves. And so people would go to pull their money out and the banks weren't able to give it to them because they didn't have any in reserves and they were all failing terribly. So rich JP Morgan and all his banker buddies went together and they decided we need the federal reserve system to be, to be a thing. And they brought it before Congress. And that's actually, I, I don't know if it's the first time, but it's one of the first really, really big times that rich people got together and gave Congress legislation, which they then passed, which has kind of become the new norm. Um, we've talked about it in previous episodes, how, um, essentially rich lobbyists, people who are backed by, you know, billionaires like Bezos uh, and other companies, they will hire these people to write down legislation and then they will give it to Congress people and the Congress people will glance over it or give it to their aides to glance over and then they'll just pass it through, which is why we see time and time again throughout the entirety of American history, um, laws being passed for the rich because they're written by the rich. Um, so <clears throat> what do you think about JP Morgan and all these rich financiers? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, from the start central bank, the banks uh, create this quantitative easing. They print out a ton of money. Um, and from my understanding that lowers interest rates, and then people can then lend out money to people that promise not to default on their loans. But if they do, you end up in a situation like the 08 crash. And correct me if I'm wrong, Congress appoints the head or um, leading body of the Federal Reserve. Okay, so privately owned. We'll, we'll talk about how the Federal Reserve is 
um, kind of structured now that we've kind of talked about how it was founded. It was founded because of a crash. All the banks were failing. These rich bankers decide, hey, we need a centralized bank. That way there's always going to have reserves that can have oversight for these banks. Um, so the Federal Reserve, it has 12 branches um, spread throughout the United States. Uh, most of like the major cities that you would think would have a Federal Reserve have one. I believe California has a Federal Reserve, um, Illinois, New York, I think uh, – I want to say it was Virginia or Massachusetts. They actually have two. Um, so there's that's, there's twelve. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. It it was a big voting thing, and yeah, we, we we're not going to get into that one. It do, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> you know, trying to stay on topic. I'm and, like, I, uh, I see an anomaly here. There, yes. There's something weird happening on the East Coast. But so the Federal Reserve has a body of governors that are uh elected they're not uh, they're not elected by the people we the people have absolutely zero to do with the federal reserve at all it's all uh bankers that are appointed by congress um and it's called the governing body is called the board of governors and the board of governors are um seven chairs they're elected for 14 year terms staggered 14 year terms okay um they cannot be reelected after their 14 year term of course so that 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 is good um yeah but they get 14 years man they do get 14 years that's um, stupid but hey that's like that's better than you know senators who can Court. get reelected all the time or like let's even talk about um the supreme court they're in there for life so at least at least there's 14 years and they're staggered um it's not like they all get reelected every 14 years it's a staggered 14 year term um but all of the governors are appointed by the president of the united states so the president at the time gets to choose who's going to be a governor and then they are confirmed um (laughs) by the Senate as any position in the government um, is usually confirmed by the Senate. Um, Right now we have a vacant chair and the governors that we currently have are Jay Powell or Jerome Powell. I'm sure people have heard about him a lot. Um, He only, only from Noam Chomsky. This is true. He is the chair. um, So there's the the seven governors who kind of make all the decisions about uh, other things we'll get into, like quantitative easing, um, inflation, offshoring, offshoring. Yes, they 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 oversee all of these rules and regulations. The they, biggest one, job job insecurity. <clears throat> right. They they regulate they regulate the economy. That's the Federal Reserve's main function. Is they make the economy run. Um, which means they have way too much power for not being elected officials. Um, so there's seven chairs. Um, there is the, or there's seven governors, sorry, the board of governors. Um, and then they elect a chair every four years, the chair who's pretty much like the president of the seven governors. Um, he can be 
they serve four-year terms as well, and they can be re-nominated as many times as the president wants until their term on the Board of Governors is ended. Um, so Jerome Powell, he has been uh, the chair, the head of the Federal Reserve since February 5th of 2018. Um, his term will expire on February 5th of 2020. Um, and then if Biden wants to, he can, uh, he can re-nominate him again. Um, and his term as a governor expires in 2028. Um, so we have Jerome Powell. His vice chair is Richard Claridia. Uh, we have Randy Quarles. Uh, I guess they have party affiliations as well, according to what I'm looking at. And those three are Republican. Then you have Lael Brainard. Uh, she's the only Democrat on the... Uh, Federal Reserve Governor's Board. And then you have Mickey Bowman and Chris Waller, who are also Republicans. Um, and then we have a vacancy right now. I'm not really sure why there's a vacant sheet. I think it might have been because Janet Yellen was appointed Treasury Secretary. So they're most likely going to have to fill that seat. But yes, yeah, so the Federal Reserve is all, uh, there's seven governors and they're all appointed by the president of the United States and confirmed by the Senate for staggered 14 year terms. Um, and these people are all from the financier world. Um, and they are all bankers. They would never elect anybody who did not have banking experience from a major bank to the federal reserve board of governors. It would not happen. Um, all right. So yeah. they're not politicians. They are bankers. Can we tell the people how exactly the money funnels from bank to bank with interest rates being being discussed? Yes, go ahead. Because I was reading about that this morning and that was kind of messing with my noodle. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I mean, I, all I read, I just thought you might know a lot more because you, you obviously know more about this than I do. Um, but yeah, the central banks would, would lend out money to, say, a bank that didn't have enough on hand to lend out themselves. And so yes. they would basically purchase with an interest rate money, you know, they get the money and it has an interest rate on it. And then they try to lend it out to another bank at a higher interest rate so that they can actually profit off of their lending. Yes. So it's almost like you're buying money to sell money and then interest rates affect that. If the interest rates are lower when you're selling it, you're losing money. The interest rates are higher when you sell it than you, you make money. But like the whole idea of selling money to me, it's kind of stupid. It's just redundant. I don't know. Seems kind of empty. But I didn't know if you knew more about that whole process. But like either way, um, I do know that, you know, JFK tried to nix the Federal Reserve and he signed Executive Order 11110 to strip the, the bank of its power to loan money to the U.S. government um, at an interest because the U.S. Constitution calls for issuance of U.S. notes to be interest-free and debt-free currency backed by silver, silver reserves. And somewhere along the line, all the countries of the world got away from a tangibly backed currency. And once we got into this fiat money, this fake currency backed by nothing, we only have $250 billion of gold 
in our U.S. Treasury, yet we have a $28 trillion debt. And that's probably true for every single country. I know it's lower than $250 billion, but still. It's like you only have 200 some billion in gold, which Bezos is about to have in about two seconds. Anyway, <laughs> so you're going to have one dude that's worth more than what's in your U.S. Treasury in your country? Like what? Everything's so backwards now. And they can just keep spitting out more money and create job insecurity for the poor so that they can't travel and go to the upper echelons of society. And so the rich and the poor are completely divided. And then so the rich never have to actually observe the poor. So if they're shooting each other in the streets, it's not really affecting them. But take note, if they're burning their businesses, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we better give this Derek Chauvin guy 22 years instead of 12. All right. So. Yeah, I just yeah. I mean, that this all goes back to a central bank and fake ass money, if you think about it. And that's why I think you said it breaks you. I know I yeah. went off on a tangent, but yeah, kind of no. all relates. So, the Fed, the reason why I got <laughs> so depressed about the Federal Reserve is, um, it is once again an institution. Again, we kind of talked about how it was created, and it was created out of this panic of the bankers. Um, they wanted to. They wanted to give. Uh, they wanted to give the facade, which it still does to this day, that everything's under control. Everything's fine, people. There's not going to be a crash. The fiat currency that we are we are that we have even more of now than we had back then. Um, it, it's fine, and it was all again. Um. It just shows that people who have power and who are rich will hoard their resources as much as possible and do everything in their power to keep it. And that's the most depressing part about it because the Fed was essentially created to stabilize the markets and Wall Street. It always – it. Uh, it Time and time again, every time the country crashes, it is because of Wall Street. And um, like we'll most likely be seeing in a couple months when all these bans are lifted for um, people who haven't been able to pay their mortgage this entire time because of the pandemic and such. Uh, there's going to be hell to pay because they're going to get kicked out of their home. And then businesses like BlackRock, which come in and buy up entire um, neighborhoods full of homes um, are backed by the Federal Reserve. And essentially what it is, is it's it's a system that makes money off of the workers and then funnels it back to these big banks and these hedge funds on Wall Street that then have more buying power and it continues to take away the buying power of the people. And that's the most depressing part about it because um, – the more you look into the way things are structured, the more it shows that there's not going to be a way to change the trajectory of this country to build wealth for yourself or your family without some type of major and honestly violent revolution. Um, you're not going to vote in people who are going to change anything, um, whether that's progressives or third party candidates or anything. Um, it kind of, it kind of just amplifies the hopelessness of the situation that we've gotten ourselves into. 
um, that has been accelerated, especially by the baby boomer generation, which I maintain is the worst generation of all time. No, you are so spiteful. I, I, I think, I think all humans are fallible and they just fell into a great economy and they were told they can have anything and sky's the limit. And they started expecting things handed to them, even though they say that's what we do. Yes. Um, but I mean, they're just humans and, and the humans are what their environment creates. You know, if you or I are born in Saudi Arabia, we would be probably, well, probably be dead because we question too many things. But like, <laughs> if we didn't question too many things and end up dead, we'd be, you know, pure Muslim, you know, normal Saudi Arabian people. Well, how you view, um, I would, I would say how you view Trump and your your visceral hatred of him, which was very well deserved, is the way I view most boomers. I think most wait, boomers I, are I, Trumpers. I try to maintain that I don't hate anyone. I see Trump as a stupid person. A stupid person that was given way too much power. But to hate him would exert way too much energy from me. Would I be able to push a button and delete people like that? Yeah, but that I don't attribute that to a hatred. Because I feel like hatred requires energy. And I don't put much energy into my thoughts of these people. <laughs> I just think they're bad people and they're dumb. And uh, anyway, um, God, what was his name? Was it Carl Rove? That wrote for Bush. Um, I I know the name Carl Rove and but him him and Alan Greenspan and it's Alan Greenspan I wanted to get to. Didn't he testify or like say to Congress that job insecurity was the most important thing to maintain? Basically yeah. saying that we have to keep the poor where they're at in order to maintain the society that we have. Yeah, yeah. I was in like Requiem for a Dream by Noam Chomsky. He had a little blurb of that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think what JFK was trying to do, getting back to that, is like dismantle this fake fiat money, dismantle this fake world of currency that doesn't really exist. And he actually circulated uh, $4 billion of currency with um, red stamps instead of green stamps because uh, red stamp currency are actual U.S. notes backed by silver and the uh, green stamps are for the Federal Reserve. And he wanted to get back to a silver um based economy but i don't think we'd have very much money in the bank if we did that and i think the government knew that but i do find it odd that nine trillion in in federal debt has been um accrued since his departure because now we have all this fake money but yeah after he was assassinated um which was right right after he put that currency in the pipeline um they removed all that currency because he wanted tens ten dollar bills twenty dollar bills uh, he already had the $2 bills and $5 bills, and they just pulled all of it after he was killed. So I think it's odd. If you follow the money, it kind of looks like the government killed him. But, you know, I don't want to, you know, point any fingers, but it just seems odd and fishy that he would say, I don't like the Federal Reserve. I think it's fake money. We need to be an honest country. We need to have an honest currency, you know, not have a bunch of people that um, just got lucky. So you, you, uh, loaned a ton of money to some guy that wanted to start a business and then you know 90 percent of businesses fail say he's the 10 percent that succeeds and then instead of giving back to the community he continues this process you know and and builds his own life and lend he gets money more money lended to him over and over again because he has assets now and basically like you said back in um early 1900s they were lending the money out to people like that rather than giving the money that we worked hard for 
that we deposited in the banks back to us. And they're, they're just like that now. I swear, if the, everything crashed, they would do the same thing again. And none of us would be able to pull our money out, even though they say it's like FDIC approved, FDC or whatever the fucking acronym is. Like it's, that's protected. I don't believe them at all. I'm purely skeptical about that. So what you said about JFK. Yeah. And um, honesty. And that's the reason he died. Um, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who didn't watch the Young episode or listen to it because you guys don't want to deal with your shadows because you're Americans. Um, <laughs> Someone that, is spiteful that, today. Someone yes. is spiteful today. <laughs> yes, very spiteful. Um, that is that that is the main problem with America. That's something we've talked about a lot too is America not facing its shadow and, and trying to correct its wrongs. That's why anytime anybody is honest and truthful um, – like JFK, um, they're usually silenced because we don't want to deal with all the bad shit that we've done. Um, I'm a big proponent of, you know what? Let's talk about all the bad shit we've done. Let's talk about the Nazis that we hired, the uh, the internment camps, the mass genocide of the Native American people um, and their children. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody's been paying any type of attention to what they're finding up in Canada, but there's mass graves of Native American children being found. That's an entirely different tangent. Um, like the episode we did a few weeks back where we talked about um, black people and how they were suppressed by the government. We're going to go over a bunch of different genocides in the future. We're planning some future episodes on that. We will definitely be covering the Native American genocide. Um, but it's all about the shadow and how we haven't dealt with any of the bad shit we've done. And I would just come out, say everything you've done wrong. Just lay it all out on the table. We've experimented on people with mental disorders. We released AIDS in Africa. We just get it all out on the table. And yes, we'll all be shocked and horrified, but then we can begin this process where we can start healing from the bad shit that we've done because we'll be able to actually hold people accountable because we'll know what they have done. Um, and it'll end all these stupid conspiracy theories about you know alien child sex rings on the moon and stuff like that. Um, so and we'll end the federal reserve one day, I don't know. I will see. So the federal reserve ever since its creation has, it's been shit on. <laughs> There's no easier way to say it. It's been shit on. Um, you can look up any, like, why should we abolish the federal reserve or what does the federal reserve do? Um, the federal reserve, it is. I, again, did a lot of research. It is very hard to understand exactly all the different functions of the banking system and of how money works because there are so many terms that are used. Um, usually you could go to uh, YouTube and be like, what's the Federal Reserve do? And you could like figure out in like five minutes, oh, that's how it works. Um, really hard to do that because again, a lot of terminology used and a lot of vagueness surrounding it. Um, so we'll say that the Federal Reserve's main function is to stabilize the economy um, by making sure that banks are regulated properly, that they have money in their reserves for people who come to pull money out. Um, they help regulate the economy, stabilize our markets. They are also in charge of interest rates uh, and inflation and controlling inflation. Um, and for whatever reason, they are also tasked with, um, 
trying to keep the unemployment level low. Um, again, they are not elected by anybody but the president of the United States. Um, they are a body separate from the government. A lot of people think that they are a part of the government. Um, they are not. They're not a government institution. They are bankers that are run um, by bankers. Uh, they don't have a whole lot to do with the treasury, which is the most confusing part because the treasury is those reserves of funds that the U.S. government has. Um, the Fed has very little to do with that. Um, there's all this talk of purchasing government bonds from the treasury and then funneling that to banks. And the way money moves is essentially it's too convoluted and complicated to get into in, in, in one episode and explain it in layman terms. Um, it, it's a system that has been established to be as confusing as possible for normal people and even intelligent people um, so that they can continue to hide hide wealth, hide, hide what they're doing. Um, and so the Fed, it has, the main argument against it is it has way too much power over our economy, which it does. Um, it decides how much money it's going to lend out to banks and that controls interest rates. Um, the entire point of the Federal Reserve is to try to keep interest rates and inflation low um, while also having continuous growth. We've talked about the gold stores and the silver stores we have in the U.S. They only equal up to about a half a trillion dollars. Um, so the Fed is creating more money than we have of actual natural resources that um, we can we can say have intrinsic value. Um, so they've created this fiat currency. Um, our country isn't the only country to have a centralized bank. Other countries do have it. Japan has its own. Um, Europe has two different banks. Like there's the Bank of England and then there's the European like Unions Bank. Um, so it's not I, unheard I thought... of to have a centralized uh, bank. But the Federal Reserve is interesting in that it is not, um, it's not held as accountable by the government. Um, in other countries, their their federal reserves, their banking systems are much more heavily scrutinized, and they don't, they do and they don't control their economy as much as our federal reserve does. Okay, so you're saying we're less regulated here, that we're just kind of wild about it. Um, now, do other do other countries have quantitative easing? Yes, and quantitative easing is again. <clears throat> most countries don't use the gold standard anymore. There's very few that do. Um, there are very few countries that don't um, participate in the same type of banking system we do. Uh, one of the big ones being North Korea being North Korea and Iran, right? Uh-oh. So yeah, I, I was under the impression that North Korea and Iran were one of uh, two of the countries that don't have a central bank. And that's why the U S wanted to give them American freedom. Iran does have a central bank. I did look oh. into that. They do have a central bank, but it is, it operates in a different way than again, the it West, Western 
It doesn't communicate with the other banks, maybe, or it doesn't yeah. like ask for loans from the IMF like other poor yes. countries. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so again, most countries that you see the U.S. like really, really harping on are countries that aren't part of the current centralized banking system, um, or they have resources that they they really want, um, or they're trying to, like in South America, use propaganda like against uh, socialist countries like Venezuela. Um, most of the Southern American countries were thriving socialist countries in the 70s <laughs> and uh, through a bunch of different coups and uh, drug lords and problems that the U.S. and the CIA helped facilitate, uh, we've single-handedly ruined that continent, made sure that uh, none of that socialism gets over here. Um, you can literally Google... As a little side note, you can literally Google CIA operations in South America and the list is mind-boggling long and that's only the ones that they talk about. And you can join the same list we're on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so the Fed, it has too much power. It has too much control over our economy is something that I heard a lot and I agree with. Um, the fact that it can arbitrarily print money um, and it has the printing of the money, the quantity. Do you want to go into quantitative easing real quick? It'll no, probably because help. I just read about it this morning. Yeah. Go, go I ahead. And, go just into quantitative easing. And, and from my understanding, it's, it's printing out money. Yes. Um, to stabilize the market. Yes. Um, because when banks run out of money to lend mainly the wealthy people, then there's, they get mad. They get their panties in a twist. And then they're like, well, make more money then, motherfucker. And then so they put more money out and they do it at a specific interest rate. And now how the interest rate is um, changed is something I was questioning this morning. It's like, do they just like vote or does it is it based on credit and debt? Is it? I'm so confused on interest rate, but inflation, I understand. I mean, if, if you buy an Apple in Minnesota, but you can buy the same Apple in Wisconsin for less and you're, you're close, you know, and you can get there and do that, you know, it's going to change the different value of currencies in different areas, but they use it for countries instead. So that was just like a small metaphor. So like if you go down to Mexico and buy bananas and they're cheaper than if you buy them in Texas and there's nothing stopping you from buying bananas in, in, um, Mexico, you're lowering the value of U.S. currency, and that's really how inflation fluctuates, is how every country sells the same product for a different price. But right. So the interest rate, what is that? What is that based on? Is it based on debt? That would make sense if it was based on debt. Um, so interest rates are based on how much money is circulating in the economy. Um, so if the Fed says we're going to keep interest rates low, they're going to lend more money to banks because the more money that the banks have, um, the more that the uh, the more money that banks have, the more incentive they have to give out loans at a low interest rate because they have to stay competitive. Because right, like, but are they just? Let's use an easy example. They're just um, printing so it the out. Fed, there is J.P. Morgan Chase. There is U.S. Bank of America, and um, there is – give me another big bank name. Harris? I don't know. Yeah, Harris. All right. <laughs> Those three banks, all right? The Fed says, hey, all right, we're going to – we have 
we have a hundred million dollars. Okay. We're going to give JP Morgan chase, um, 30 million. We're going to give Harris 40 million of that. And what does that leave me with? I didn't like, hear the initial number. A hundred million. So that's 70 oh, million. 30, yeah, 30, so, 30. so, so Harris gets 10 million more than JP Morgan chase and us bank. Right. Um, so Harris has a little bit more money to lend so they can use, they can lend out a little bit more money so they can give a lower interest rate. More people are going to go to Harris because the interest rate is slightly lower than if they were to get a loan from Chase or Bank of America. Um, now Bank of America and Chase, they want to stay competitive. So they're going to also offer a similar interest rate, maybe like 0.2% higher. Um, because they want to stay competitive and they want, you know, your business and such. And that's kind of how the Fed controls interest rates is they offer more money to banks so that they stay competitive with their interest rates and also keep them low. If the Fed starts not lending as much money and let's say they each have 10 million to loan those three banks, um, the interest rates are going to be much higher because they're not going to want to take a risk on a person who may default on their loan um, because that would be bad because then they'd be out money. Um, so the more money the Fed pushes out to banks, the lower the interest rates are because there's more money circulating. The less money that the Fed gives out to banks, the higher interest rates go, um, which is not good because then people don't spend money and they don't stimulate the economy. And they don't um, borrow money. Yeah, they don't borrow money. So right. the really the really nefarious thing about the Federal Reserve is the fact that they have that control of market manipulation. They are essentially tasked with the grand idea of stabilizing the markets. Um and stabilizing the economy. Um, they are in control of maintaining the facade that everything's fine. Um, and it, it's too much power for some institution to have that is not a governmental body. Now, um, wait, would, if they're printing out a ton of money, uh -huh. first of all, they're lending probably to the banks that have more success rates. Well, here's the thing about quantitative easing. Okay. They're... They are and they're not printing money. And this is where it gets weird and convoluted because quantitative easing is when the central bank decides to make a large scare, scale purchase of financial assets. So they're not necessarily printing money. What they're doing is they're doing things like they're buying government bonds. and corporate bonds and even like stocks. Yeah. Um, so like we say, they're printing money. They're not necessarily printing money. They're buying like bonds and stocks and all these things. And wait, I don't think they're allowed to buy stocks. I think they're only allowed to buy long-term um, non-stock market investments like um, bonds. I think that's the main thing. And then those only mature after what, a year or two? So yeah. that they're guaranteed to get, and it's not taxed, right? So. Right. It's so weird. Like, and where are they getting their money to buy the bonds? What are they basing that on? I don't know. Mm. That's so, the question. So like, they have this money circulating in the economy. So they're buying bonds. 
that are government or corporate bonds. They are buying some stocks. Like, obviously, they're not. I mean, they are and they aren't. I mean, the Federal Reserve is there to prop up Wall Street. Um, anytime Wall Street crashes, the Fed starts, you hear bail the term out. printing money. Yeah, they, they bail start buying out. stocks and bonds to prop up Wall Street. And that's why we've had this high for so long. Um, so like that, that is what they do. It, they, they buy these bonds. And so then the amount of money that is in the economy increases and that helps keep interest rates low. So that again, quantitative easing, they use all these terms and they're not really like clear cut. They're not really easy to understand because where are they again, to your point, where are they getting money to buy these corporate bonds and stocks? Um, it's yeah. it's a this weird convoluted system that again and um the biggest point that you could make in an argument against the Federal Reserve is we'll look at a very recent example the financial crisis of two thousand seven and two thousand eight the Fed was partially responsible for that um, because we had the United States housing bubble. And what that was is there was the 90s. We had we had a surplus. We weren't as in debt at all. Um, and what banks were doing because they just had all this cash that was coming in, they were giving loans to people who they knew would not be able to afford mortgages um, that were way above their means of paying. But why? Why? Yeah. I don't necessarily know the why. Oh. Um. I'm I'm assuming if you want to get nefarious, which I enjoy doing, um, the economy in Wall Street at the time was starting to plateau because we became less of an industrial nation and we became more of a consumerist nation. We weren't producing as much, and it's all about GDP growth. All right, um, that is what Wall Street and banks and such they look at they look at gdp growth number by capita that you're producing um so if you want to get dark with it this may have been some type of long game where the banks were lending to these people that they knew wouldn't be able to pay the loans they then defaults on said loans thus indebting people more um they then own all these homes that are then bought by these Wall Street hedge funders because the Fed actually was encouraging people. And this is where I started to get depressed. The Fed has been encouraging people in very, very recent times. But as far back as 07 and 08, they've been begging Wall Street to get into the real estate game because the real estate game is kind of a sure shot, whereas the stock market is less of a sure stock shot because stocks can go up and down. Um, whereas if you buy real estate, that again is a tangible physical piece of land that you own. Um, and so partially what could have happened here is that they wanted a bunch of people to default on their loans and be indebted to the banks. And also it would allow Wall Street to come in and swoop up these homes at a discounted price because um, I know from my own experience when I was looking for a house, um, you wanted to look at houses that weren't being sold 
by owners because they would ask more. You would actually want to look at homes that had uh, been foreclosed on because the bank wants to get rid of it for a discounted price. Um, and if you also think about it, if they're giving people loans and they know in about 10 years that they're going to be so behind that they're going to default on that loan, they've still kind of made their money off them because they bought the house and they've received about 10 years worth of interest rates, you know, because people were paying their mortgages on credit cards. And that's another thing I'd like you to get into is credit and why our country is completely basing its wealth on credit and why all these people with Mercedes are actually poor people. Yes, we'll we'll get into that shortly. <laughs> um, let me finish the, the housing yeah, thing. Let me finish. Um, so the Fed, because again, the stock market, it can only grow so much. And it's all about exponential growth. They started... Um, they started asking these bankers and these hedge funds and stuff to start buying houses. So they buy these houses at discounted prices and then they turn around and they essentially are trying to make us a nation of renters. Um, the only way to build wealth in this country for yourself and future generations is to own a home. Um, there's no other way to do it unless you are, a Jeff Bezos or a Gary Vaynerchuk or a Elon Musk who can, you know, borrow from your parents' massive pension fund to form your business. Um, and then you have to be a scumbag and fuck people over and be Silicon Valley assholes um, to build any type of wealth. So you need to have a home to have any type of wealth in the economy. Um, and COVID in particular, I think, was a – it was the 07, 08 housing bubble all over again, amped up to 10 because they figured out in 07, 08 how to own a bigger portion of the pie, um, and they just moved quicker about it. And so when all these – Restrictions are lifted, and in September, the bill comes due, and there's no assistance for anybody who hasn't been able to pay their mortgage, and everybody gets evicted. You're going to have companies like BlackRock and other major real estate agencies who will come in, and people who are trying to buy a house right now are actually experiencing this. Um, you could you could be asking for 15 to 30 times 30% more than what the asking price is and you're still getting outbid on houses because all these big hedge funds are coming in and buying these houses and want to turn everything into renting um, so that you are a slave forever. Um, there was a recent example, I think in 2018, of a brand new subdivision was built. Hundreds of houses was built in Texas and BlackRock came in and bought every single one for about 30% more because they can just have the money to throw at it and be done. Um, and if you're renting, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to save to buy your own property and you're not going to be able to save for retirement at all. And you're going to, you're going to work forever and be a part of the system. And that is the more nefarious side of the fed because in 07, 08, when all these banks failed because they were giving mortgages to people who couldn't afford the mortgages, what did the fed do? Did the fed send stimulus checks to people? Did the Fed say, hey, all these people who are indebted to these banks, we're, we're going to wipe the slate clean and you just pay this next month's rent or this next month's mortgage if you can? 
No, they foreclosed on people and then they bought all these government stocks and bonds and stuff like that and they bailed the banks out and that's what they did with COVID. All these businesses started to fail. The banks started to look really bad. People were pulling their money out of the banks. Banks were starting to go, oh shit, what did the Fed do? They started printing the money and saving the banks, which if you are a Republican or a conservative and you believe in the free market, that is not a free market um, because you are propping up the winners. And in a free capitalist society, if that's what we truly are, um, if your business fails, it fails because your idea or your model wasn't good enough or people no longer needed your services. That's the idea of capitalism. We do not live in a capitalist society. We live in an oligarchical society where they have bankrupted small businesses. They're buying those up. They're bankrupting the American people and buying up all of their houses so that they can no longer build wealth. And we're all going to be working at Amazon fulfillment centers, buying things from Amazon and continue participating in this consumer society, which is why I think at this point, having looked into the Fed and all that, um, that it is not looking good. It's looking fairly hopeless for the future of America without some type of uh, violent revolution overthrow of the government because the oligarchs are going to continue to win. Um, the Fed is going to continue to bail out rich people. Um, they have power over all of our economy. Um, they have significantly decreased the value of our currency. Um, the, the American dollar versus the European dollar, a lot of people will, will tout that it is uh, still stronger. The European euro is actually stronger than the European dollar, um, not just because of COVID, but before COVID, it was stronger because Europe you're had- saying, Wait, you're saying the euro is stronger than the dollar? Huh? You're saying the, the euro is stronger than the US dollar? Yes. yes. If, you go, yes. if you go to buy sure. something from England yeah. for the equivalent of uh, what a US dollar would be, yeah, it's about 20 to 50 cents more. Yeah. No, I, I have to do these transactions for my job with different kinds of currencies and seeing the conversion rates. Um, so yeah, I, I think the that Federal the, Reserve also, we, we, didn't, we didn't jump into that yet, but we can now. The Federal Reserve, it, it hurts poor and middle class people. Um, it is there to protect wealthy people because our money is stolen through hidden inflation taxes. Um, and we created the fed created this thing called credit, um, where you get a credit card and you put something on your credit card. And instead of just paying for it in cash, you're putting it on that credit card and then you're getting charged interest on top of it which is essentially a tax on you. Um, and this inflation, it really hurts poor people because we have less disposable income. Um, so the Fed really hurts poor and middle-class people because, again, the Fed doesn't ever bail middle-class or poor people out. It only bails out the people at the top. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, no, I just, I, 
you're saying all the facts, but I'm I'm more getting into the, like the how is any of this moral or how is any of this ethical and how do they justify it to themselves and where are we going with this? Because I think what they're doing is looking at China and the model of China where people live in factory cities um, and they, they're born there, they work there, they get married there, they work and live and die. And they never, like you were saying, Amazon, like we're all going to end up working at Amazon facilities and buying Amazon. And that, that looks like an actual realistic um, projection of what's about to happen. And I'm thinking that's their goal is they like the model over there and they like people to just be completely cut off from the rest of the world and isolated in a little box and just little batteries until they're dead. They don't get to travel. They don't have enough money to do anything. They can't even eat healthy. You got them on the prescription pills. You got them on the, you know, every type of stupid thing they can buy. And then they're dumb enough to keep buying more because you're doing less for education. Only the rich people can afford private education. They're pushing everything so that only wealthy people can have a life. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So, um, so the Federal Reserve, they, um, and you can look things up, but I'm reading off of a little article I found that I did more research on just to make sure that um, the author of it wasn't being biased or anything like that. Um, but reason number four they give for why we shouldn't have the Federal Reserves or why we should end it is that it's run by unelected and unaccountable bureaucrats, which is true. We've gone over that. They're not elected by us. Um, the Federal Reserve has made our economy less stable um, because we have a lot of what we call boom and bust cycles. Um, um, it started with the great... Um, it started with that gold rush, which was why the, or the gold failing in 1907, which was why the fed was established, um, for every financial crisis over the past century, including the great D depression, the stagflation of the 1970s and the recent economic meltdown. Um, we've had a lot of different boom and bust cycles. We'll, our economy will be really good. It'll be chugging along. And then all of a sudden there's a crash. And we're doing good and we're right. doing good and then there's a crash and then we're doing good and we're doing good and then there's a crash um, because they're artificially changing the value of our currency. They're artificially changing interest and inflation rates. Um, they're creating credit scores and they're artificially inflating those. Um, and you, it goes back to this concept that I constantly rail against, which is um, – Everyone is obsessed with constant growth. Um, if like the, the company that I work for, they're always talking about how can we grow more in this next year? How can we grow our profit margins? How can we grow our GDP? How At a certain point, there is not going to be any more resources to grow. You're going to plateau at some point. Um, but this concept of constant growth is what is not only hurting the economy and hurting the value of our dollar, it's hurting the planet because we are constantly consuming and taking more and more and more and we need to grow. But eventually the bill is going to come due and you aren't going to be able to grow anymore. And actually you're going to realize as we're starting to realize that we're in debt. Um, our debt is actually a hundred and 
um, which most empires before they fall, they're once their debt reaches over about, I think it was 87%. That's when you start to see the decline of most empires. And we're at 167. Almost, we're still not as bad as uh, Japan. Japan's almost at 200%. Um, right, because we're debt. allowing these we're allowing these games and as long as our corporations are allowed to post profits every fiscal year or every quarter based on just moving money around and playing fucking money games and not actually producing more products and selling more products and they're offshoring all the work they're able to post gains when there really are none and what are they really providing our society well and that's the problem with the federal reserve the federal reserve is far it's too secretive like it's not like they're transparent about everything they're due. And a lot of the things that they do, they always tend to benefit special interests because again, it was formed by the wealthiest businessmen of the time. It is run by people who are wealthy bankers and they're completely unaccountable to Congress because they are not a government institution. Um, which goes into the main point that the federal reserve is unconstitutional it's unconstitutional the, the right. constitution it makes no mention of a central bank um there are been debased on the constitutionality of a central bank there is no argument that can justify the federal reserve as constitutional right but if you eradicate it then you'll realize we only have like a half a trillion in actual money and right. we owe 28 trillion and that's just external debt. That's not right. including our internal debt. Right. So what the fuck? Like if we eradicated the, the Federal Reserve, we'd be screwed. Right? Because then we'd have nothing. And well, we realize we're screwed either way. We're screwed either way. Because if we don't eradicate the Federal Reserve, then we become a country of slaves. Or we eventually have a big a big crash where everything falls apart or you abolish the federal reserve. And then you realize that your standing power in the world is very diminished. And then it comes down to how do you maintain that power? You don't in the world stage. Oh, you can Nazi Germany. <laughs> they didn't last. Um, so the federal reserve also is very bad because it is, and here's where there are arguments. Monetary theory is complicated because, again, as we've talked about, pretty much every nation on earth is indebted to another age nation. Um, fiat currency is just a thing. Um, and no, it's, it's weird because this is like the first time in history it's been so exorbitant. Um, and so none of us really know what to do. And that's why monetary theory is both boring and complicated um but one thing the federal reserve does a lot which you've seen throughout COVID, is they're saying spend more now so that you don't have to spend more in the future um and they are constantly encouraging deficit spending which is just increasing the debt more um at a certain point you do need to be responsible and look at the debt um no. Now, in American politics, <laughs> particularly, 
when we look at the debt and cutting things, we only look at cutting programs that benefit the American people. Um, we don't ever look at cutting things like our massively bloated military budget. We don't look at things such as sending foreign aid to countries like Saudi Arabia or Israel that create uh, massive war atrocities against other people. Um, we don't look at programs to curtail our deficit spending. We only look at cutting things like Social Security and Medicare and stuff like that. Um, and we don't ever also talk about social programs that actually would help eliminate debt over time. Um, so in the interim, we could talk about, we'll take, um, college, college, uh, loans, for example, um, college loans attribute to $1.7 trillion of the national debt. Um, that's how much student loans has indebted our country as a whole, $1.7 trillion. So if you were to come out with a program where you eliminate student debt up to a certain percent or you wipe it out completely and you centralize all public colleges as free and you wipe out that debt, you're essentially, you're going to have to pay for that debt in the short term. But in the long term, you're not going to have more people amassing um, more loans, which is going to continue to add to your debt. So you pay a sacrifice in the short term so that in the long term, your debt gets better. Another one is like uh, medical bills. Medical pills make up, I don't even want to know how much of the national debt. If you were to wipe out all the medical bills and have a, at the very least, a public option, if not universal health care, you would pay more for universal health care in the short term, but in the long term, if you look at the profit margins of it, you're going to eventually um, you're eventually going to be making money off of universal health care as opposed to losing money on it. Um, we don't ever talk about how debt eventually does become obsolete over time. Um, we were very in debt for World War II, but eventually that debt, because of inflation and stuff over time, became null and void and it just it pretty much went away without us paying it off so the financial institutions as they stand it's weird and it's hard to figure out what we should do about it because we have all this fiat currency running around that the governments are saying is has intrinsic value but it actually doesn't have any value yep it'd be lovely if the world had a central college and that yep. college would loan knowledge out to the smaller colleges yes and then when people ask for a loan it'd be a loan of knowledge that would be nice yeah well julius caesar destroyed that check out our last episode <laughs> That was a nice plug. I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think you uh, hit on everything. Uh, well, that we can in about an hour, um, you know, for layman's. Because, I mean, I didn't know anything about this when I went into this this week. And I really didn't have time because I was on the road for my job. And, um, you know, and then I got into uh, David Foster Wallace, Infinite Jest. And I, I kind of ignored studying for this. Um, but, um, yeah, I... I 
from what I read, it sickens me that we're living off of some fake paper. Like it doesn't have any value and that they just, and I, I really want to know how the federal reserve is buying these bonds. I really want to know that. Like, where's their money coming from? If they're not just printing it out of thin air, are there like investors that like give to the federal reserve so that the fed can buy these bonds? Like, I don't get it. But anyway. Yeah. It's again, it's all hard and it's, it's very convoluted and, it, it's not an easy thing to understand and there's there they lack transparency as well um which it's always hard to do episodes on how things work when you have trouble understanding even like the basic functions of it um so the yeah. fed there's no good answer to what to do with the federal reserve um because if you got rid of it, you would have to go back to some type of gold or silver standard more than likely, um, which we either need to greatly increase the value of gold and silver to to supersede what our national debt is, um, or you keep the Fed and you continue getting screwed over, um, and the Fed encourages things like we didn't even really get into uh, – they don't even set tax policy or anything like that um, because the IRS primarily does that, but they encourage people to do offshore um, offshore holding of uh, funds, um, setting up shell companies. The Fed just, it does a lot of shady things that again, it protects big business and it hurts small people. Um, and I think when this year is over, we're going to see a lot of, People more than likely click, kicked out of their houses and uh, hurting and is going to be in part due to the Fed and the way that they handled the COVID crisis. Um, we didn't even talk about and nobody really reported on at the very beginning of COVID of last year, um, the Fed pumped a trillion dollars a day into the stock market because it was uh, crashing uh, up to two weeks worth. So that's about 14 and a half trillion dollars the fed just gave to wall street and we're experiencing these highs and there'll be little dips every now and again and people will freak out but we're experiencing these highs and at eventually that high is going to be reached and then it's going to go straight down um there's been speculation for a long time that there's going to be a second great recession i don't think there's going to be a second great recession i think there's going to be a second great depression um it's very hard if even looking at the economy now, like it's hard to get certain things. Um, if you were to go on Amazon right now and look for like certain like computers, um, which I've been looking into, it's hard to get any of those, uh, car manufacturing cars are very scarce right now. Um, a lot of products, um, even like buying a couch. Cause I was looking to buying a new couch. If I ordered a couch, I wouldn't get it till January of next year um, because all the ports are closed up and clogged wood. The amount of wood is exorbitantly overpriced right now. Yep. Um, and that's even and not, and that's not necessarily because we stopped producing wood. Um, there are videos of truckers who bring wood back and forth to different places saying that there's stockpiles of wood just sitting, not used. Um, and that people are arbitrarily, inflating the price of things right now because they're trying to bankrupt america as much as possible um why yeah why 
I don't know the reason behind it. All I know is I was I was watching a video of this trucker. I want to say it was either like Oregon, Washington, one of those states up there. Um, and he was coming from this wood yard um, transporting wood. And he was like, you guys are stupid for buying like wood at this price right now because look at this. And like the the yard that he was in was like it was overfilled with lumber. Um, and I don't necessarily know the reason behind why they are doing that other than to artificially inflate the price of it um, because it seems like they have a surplus, um, which is why people get into these weird conspiracies about the Fed and stuff like that because none of this stuff is transparent. Um, like if you're not going to be transparent about what you're doing, then people are going to come up with weird conspiracy theories about what you're up to because it seems nefarious. And a lot of times it is nefarious, um, maybe less so nefarious than uh, child pedophile sex ring on the moon, but still nefarious. Um, so I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Um, I think that uh, I think that people should uh, take back the means of production. I'm becoming a bit of a Marxist, to yeah, be honest. Sounded um, very I communist. Think, I think the fundamental problem with Marx, and I think we should probably do an episode on maybe Marxism or maybe like Russia or something. Again, we like talking about politics and history, so I'm sure we'll do something about it. But it might be interesting to talk about Marx and his failings because I think the fundamental problem with Marx isn't the fact that he talked about like workers having the means of production. I think what Marxism doesn't in address is the inherent greed of people um i think the ideology of marx like as far as like a utopia and stuff like that it it it's achievable in um if you're talking about the concept and an idea but in practicality it's not very achievable um but yeah smash the state that's that's my answer to it. Destroy it all, burn it down. Yeah, it's easier said <laughs> than done. When one of those nanobots goes up your nostril and liquidates your brain, <laughs> tell me how easy that is. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to like the weapons that the government has, I become when you look at the amount of ineptitude in different branches of the government. Um, Obviously, when it comes to moving money around and staying rich, they're really good at that. Um, but when it comes to like just like basic ineptitude, I, it makes me question how much they actually have. Um, like I'm sure there are things like that can melt your brain, um, but have have they used those recently in the past ten years? And if they went to turn it on, would it actually work? Like, I don't know. I think the government's fairly inept when it comes to that type of thing. I think they're pretty good at pulling the plug on YouTube shows that are encouraging the population to mobilize against them. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> not necessarily. Jimmy Dore's got almost a million subscribers now. I have never heard him say, let's all mobilize with arms and go against the government. I mean, he said it in nicer ways, like the workers should all go on strike. Right, but that, advocating that's not, a step further. That's not actual violence against anyone. But anyway, no. yeah, I'm I'm very I am very pacifistic. I don't actually want people to 
go out there and get hurt and die. Um, I think you're just a little angry today. That's all it is. I, I am angry today. I'm angry <laughs> most days. That's my secret. Um, but <laughs> I think that uh, I think that most people uh, don't realize that simply living your life the way that you're doing it now and being as not involved in politics as you are now or even getting involved in politics is not going to fix the broader problems that we have. Um, because capitalism at the end of the day, it has given us some good things, but it has made the world a whole lot worse. Um, capitalism has contributed to the majority of the world's suffering more so than it has helped. Um, and the more that you look into things like the federal reserve and all that, you see this whole idea of like the free market deciding what's going to succeed um, is a whole bunch of bull. Yeah. I think capitalism in a nutshell is when the world has more access to cell phones than toilets. Yes. Yes. I agree. Uh, yeah. That's very, very true. Actually. Now that, you, now that you say that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, we went over a lot. I think we should leave them with this. Yeah, hopefully uh, I stayed on topic enough for people. I think you did very well today. <laughs> you, 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 you didn't let me talk a lot, which is fine, because I didn't know a lot about the subject matter. I'm not in the least bit offended. So what do you, like, at, okay, well, well, I guess we could end on this note. At the end of the day, what do you think the solution to the Federal Reserve problem is? Do you I don't think the there is one. That's what you I was saying. I really either? I really don't think there is a, a solution. If you don't continue this weird, stupid, beautiful lie that we're doing, yeah, um, so you will collapse. If you continue the beautiful lie, you will collapse. So we're going to look at a collapse either way. Uh, we only have half a trillion dollars in the bank in the U.S. Treasury as far as gold and silver standards go. So if we're you know externally twenty-eight trillion dollars in debt, and then even more so internally, and you only have five hundred billion in the bank, I mean you're screwed. I yep. mean that's just a fact. You know, so it's just like we are as a nation, a poor ass person living in a mansion and the bank will soon come for us. That's what that's what we are. And we have a lot of guns. So we're like we're basically like when the world comes for us for our, paying our debt, we're just going to show all our, you know, yeah, destroyers and and, you know, crazy bombers and shit that we have. And we're going to be like, no, fuck you. It's like that gangster that walks into the bar and like keeps putting shit on his tab and never pays it. Yeah, that's I, I I think that that's the best way that they're going to more than likely maintain control is is through like, again, if you were to end the Fed, like you, you need to resort to violence to maintain your um your standing on the global stage. So, yeah, I think that's more than likely. Um, I will say, having done research into the U.S., um, we did our China episode. That was our first one. Um, China's just as fucked as we are. So that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> as far as debt, uh, not, not as much as debt, but pretty up there. Um, I was actually looking at some videos, um, and reading some articles on speculation of like who the next world superpower is going to be. Um, and, and China was still one of the ones listed, but an interesting one was, um, Canada and England are kind of working simultaneously together with Australia and New Zealand. And they might actually be the world's next um, 
superpower because what they're investing heavily in is um, AI and trading routes, which China has been focused more on trading routes, but a little bit less so on AI. Um, I think the best AI in the world is Singapore, but um, Britain's AI is like especially really good. So because normally what we see when we see great empires is um, like with here in America and what happened with Germany is innovation. Innovation. Um, and so Canada with its trading routes and working on its AI alongside England, Australia, and New Zealand, they they might actually form like a, a quadrant uh, superpower with Canada and England at the helm of it. So that was an interesting thing. Maybe I'll do more research into that. That could be something we talk about. But China still up there as a world superpower next to the U.S., but as far as terms of like debt go um, – they are they're very much in debt and kind of to what your point was like how china operates as far as like their workers and keeping them poor and stuff like that i do think that um a lot of the oligarchs here kind of see that model and um a lot of people in china a lot of billionaires in china actually invest in a lot of things over here as well which we don't hear about um a lot of people who leave these administrations um like the Trump administration, Obama, and even Bush's administration, they go and they work for Chinese firms. Um, so there's a bunch of backwater peddling back and forth, Chinese investors investing here, uh, U.S. investors investing in China. It's an interesting it's an interesting dance that they're doing. And uh, eventually this interesting dance will come to a head and either someone will win the dance or maybe uh, uh, England and, and Canada will will take the helm as the responsible people in the world. I guess we'll see. Yeah. yeah but we will anyway, see. Uh, the next couple of years are going to be interesting. Oh, <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, that's been pleasant. Federal yeah. reserve. If you are um, depressed, sad, despondent, um, like, share, and subscribe because that'll make you feel better. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. And uh, yeah, hopefully this uh, story and this, this information about the Federal Reserve didn't uh, lower you even further like it did us. Yes. I'm a broken human being. I'm going to go crawl back in my shell now. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Love you guys. Love you. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Yeah.